We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. All right, it is Tuesday, December 22nd. The countdown to Christmas almost here. Nick Whalen joined, as I always am, on Tuesdays by Rotowire's own DJ Trainer. DJ, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, thanks for being a trooper, my man. I was to say, yeah, you, you might be able to hear it in my voice already. I'm, I'm like trying to fall or trying to not fall asleep uh, on the microphone here. I've been under the weather the last few days and I thought I was out of the woods. I went last night, I went and played some basketball, kind of tried to sweat things out, felt good, and then woke up this morning and then not so much. So 
I don't know what it is. I get this is kind of my flu podcast. You know, I'm I'm a lot more similar to Michael Jordan than you might think, and this right. is just kind of one of those ways. So, you know, Jordan <laughs> had his flu game. I'll, I'll have my flu podcast here. Um, but just a reminder before we get into things, the podcast and all of our RotoWire podcasts are available on iTunes. They're available on Stitcher. You can listen to them and download them directly from rotowire.com/podcast. Feel free to leave us a nice review, especially if you're listening on iTunes. That keeps us high in the rankings. That's always fun. And again, you can listen and download on the RotoWire website. That's my favorite way to do it, just because you can go on there, download the MP3 directly. You don't have to worry about updating your podcast app or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Nothing it's just a little at all more wrong. simple. You just get the raw MP3 file. You can put it wherever you need it, um, and, that, and that's the way to do it. So. DJ, we're going to talk about a lot of random things, as we usually do on Tuesdays. There's, there's so many games, typically, on Monday night that, you know, for example, like tonight, there's only four games. And, like, if we were doing the podcast tomorrow, we could break down each game, talk about what we saw. But with nine games, that just gets a little monotonous, and we don't really want to subject anybody to that. So we'll try to hit on some of the main points uh, from Monday's nine-game slate. And one of those was Brandon Knight, a guy who's kind of broken out in his own right. Phoenix still struggling out west, but... Uh, he moved to the bench for this game. Jeff Hornacek sounded like he wasn't too thrilled with how some of that starting unit played uh, as they blew a second-half lead to Milwaukee on Sunday. So Brandon Knight shifts to the bench. P.J. Tucker shifts to the bench. Uh, and, you know, it, it it didn't necessarily work out for Phoenix as, as they fall to Utah 110-89. Yeah, most definitely. So after the game, Jeff Hornacek, of course, that was the forefront of his, of his post-game media reports or talking to the media. And I didn't really like really enjoy what he had to say or his explanation for it whatsoever. He talked about like Bledsoe had shown last year that he did a really good job guarding Gordon Hayward. Didn't really understand why that had anything to do with switching up the lineup. Um, Devin Booker got to face his former Kentucky man, Trey Lyles. So they both got to start. That was nice. I mean, in all honesty, this is a team in desperation already. They're sitting at 12 and 18. They're slowly but surely fading out of the playoff cont- or the playoff race. The fact that they have Tyson Chandler hasn't really done anything for them. Chandler only played 18 minutes, hasn't really played more than 25 minutes in each game so far this season. Devin Booker is the youngest player in the NBA, 13 minutes. Uh, you know, you've got John Luer starting for you. Markeith Morris is slowly but surely. Out of the way or out, outside the door now. Um, he's probably going to be the first guy traded. And so we're only, what, a quarter of a third of the way into the season, but this team is already in desperation mode. And, that, and that's clearly what this showed me last night. Now, Brandon Knight is somebody that you have to start. I mean, all 82 games. If he's healthy, you have to start him. It made absolutely no sense at all. So the struggle, bu- the struggle bus has yeah. already started in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is just more him sending a message. After that game, they, the Suns blew a 15-point lead uh, at home against Milwaukee on, on Sunday evening. And after the game, Jeff Hornacek said, quote, I just didn't think all night that the starters were as active as they usually are. Uh, he continued with some more coach speak. But basically, that was the gist of it. And it was kind of a, a slight maybe at some of these starters. And, and I watched that game. I don't, I don't, there was at no point that I remember thinking, oh, man, Brandon Knight's dogging it. But you know, I, I think you know maybe the, the coach certainly has a much better perspective than than we do watching on TV. So I think this is probably not going to be a permanent move. I think this was just kind of to send a message. And he played 35 minutes. You know, it's not like he benched him for this game. He brought him off the bench. Knight was in the game very early and, and played more minutes than anyone else by a fair margin. Uh, so I'm not really too worried about that. Still put up a nice line. But this Suns team overall, like you said, this this seems like a desperation move. You know, kind of like a. 
you know, something that you, maybe you wouldn't probably do if you were four or five games over 500. This is something to try to jump, you know, just find a spark, uh, anything at this point. I mean, the Suns are 12 and 18, like you said, fading fast in the West. That they're arguably their best player is racking up DMP CDs. All of a sudden, now he's back in the rotation these last three games. They don't really know what they're doing with him. This Marquise situation is a complete joke. Well, first what of all, we can get into that another time, I guess. But what would you, well, I guess well, we'll get to let's, say let's jump into it just, just for like one minute here. I think that you can only DN, DNP CD him so much before people realize how good or forget how good he is. And so, I, I mean, it's pretty much well agreed upon by the general NBA media that he's, he's on the market. He's going to be one of the first guys to go. But, I mean, don't you think that sitting him for 10 straight games actually starts to hurt his trade value over time? And so that's why maybe he's moving back into the rotation? Yeah, that's possible. Um, you know, I, I guess it, I, don't, I don't see it as him or as the Suns, like, trying to keep him in shape. Or, you know, I mean, they're playing, they played him 15 minutes on Sunday, and he scored eight points. Not even he, in shape, just showcasing him. I guess. Yeah, I, I think he's, I think Markeith is a proven enough player at this point that you don't necessarily need to do that. I mean, he... If anything, he, he played 21 minutes against Utah last night, four points, six rebounds, four assists. So it's like three fouls, two turnovers. You know, it's like, what is he really helping his value by doing that? If you're going to showcase him, showcase him, you know, play him 30 plus minutes. Show, you know, let him let him score. Let him do what other teams, you know, will see and think, hey, maybe this this guy could do this for us. So I don't know. I think they're kind of on the fence right now. It seems like they don't want to play him, but I think they're to the point where they realize that when he's engaged, he's a really good player and he helps them win games. So you know, it, it's an odd situation, like you said. I, I think they're, you know, almost certainly going to deal him uh, when, you know, when they get the right offer. It just kind of depends what that offer is going to be. You know, what's funny is that the exact type of player this team needs is a Markeith Morris, is a small forward who can slot in, stretch the floor, do whatever they want, have a big guy like Tyson Chandler down low, and then you know, four four points everywhere else. And it's kind of funny that it seems like he's out the door, but in reality, he'd be perfect for this Phoenix Suns team. And it doesn't look like he's going to be there much longer, though. Yeah, and on that salary, that's the thing that's so attractive about him is, yeah, he has three years remaining on it, but it's also so cheap that it's easy to move. Even if you have to count it against your cap or something goes downhill and you just have him sitting on your bench, he's not killing you in that respect. So it's going to be interesting because if – you know, we've seen what he can do when he's healthy. And if somebody can get that kind of value for him in the right system and you, know, you wonder where that where that might be, it's going to be a steal for somebody. And it's just an odd – for Phoenix, it's tough to gauge what his value is because they don't have much leverage here. This guy doesn't want to play for them. He's not playing very much. He has a bad attitude. It's like his, his value – he's like lowering his value himself. And there's really nothing Phoenix can do about it. And even though, you know, everyone knows how good he can be, he hasn't really been that. So, like, if you're Phoenix, you're trying to leverage. Hey, look, look what this guy did last year when he was, you know, when he was engaged. Look at how good he was. You should trade for him. But if you're another team, you say, well, why would we give up X player, X pick for Markeith Morris when you're not even playing him on your own team? You know, so they're at that they're at that crossroads where they have to figure out a way to maximize his value while, you know, not kind of mortgaging their own season to do so. Okay, yeah, last thing I'll say on this is uh, like we've had enough time for him to be on the block and a trade to actually happen, for an official <laughs> trade to happen, and it hasn't happened. It makes me wonder, you know, they tested the waters. There was like a, a brewer thing with Houston that didn't end up working out that they thought they were going to go through. And now maybe they're getting in some offers now, like you said, Nick, and they're not as good as what they thought they were going to get, and they're kind of at an oh-crap moment, like, you know, this isn't as good of a deal or good of a situation as we thought it was. We got to either start playing him now or hang on to him for the, another month until he catches fire and his value rises again. Either way you look at it, I think the Suns are in an oh crap moment. We need to start playing him again. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really don't think it, that his you know, they're worried about necessarily increasing his on-court value. Um, you know, if anything, maybe they just want to show that he ha- he's not been such a problem that they can't play him at all. You know, maybe there's that factor. I think it's just going to come down to desperation. Like one side or the other, it's either going to be Phoenix is going to get so desperate to trade him that they'll accept lower value, or a team like Houston, you know, is going to be middling and middling in a month or so, and they're just going to say, you know what, we need to shake things up, whether this works or not we got to make a move. So then they become kind of the more desperate team and are willing to maybe give up more than they would have right now, which is why a deal hasn't happened. So, I mean, we'll see. I think he's going to get dealt at some point. It's just a matter of what Phoenix is able to get back. And if you're Phoenix, you don't, I mean, you're not, it's not like you, you're uh, trading Mark, Markeith Morris away from like contention, you know, like you can afford, you're at 12 and 18 you're not winning the finals this year. You're not going to compete with the top five teams in the West, whoever they might be by the end of it. But you don't really have this like deadline to trade him right now. And and it's not like the Kevin Love situation either, where you can opt out, you know, on that long deal. It's like worst, worst, worst case scenario, he's still on the team and you trade him this offseason. So I, I don't I, I think I applaud Phoenix for not rushing into anything just to get rid of him and, and seeing what they can get and wait out and maybe they wait until the trade deadline when, when desperation can kind of be at an all time high for those other teams. Do you watch OKC Los Angeles Clippers last night? I did. I got back got back from playing basketball just in time to watch that. And I've been watching Making a Murderer on Netflix. Um, Never heard of it yet. It, I think it just came out last week. I, I also pimped this on the, the football pod yesterday <laughs> for a while. But Wow, so the ratings is, are going to spike. It is the – I don't think I've ever been more en- engrossed in a show ever. Like it's, if you watch The Jinx uh, this past summer, the Robert Durst story on HBO, that no. was a pretty, pretty well, you know, highly acclaimed show. It's very similar to that, but I think like – three or four steps higher like it is it is that good and the story it, it's it's basically like a, it's a documentary it's like a true crime thing and it took place like 20 minutes from my where i grew up so that's like that's oh, kind of the cool okay. part for me it's like the the people that they're investigating are like went to high schools that are like that we played like so in that conference. fox valley green Bay, right it's, yeah it's more region. it's more like green bay you know kind of door county manitowoc area if, yeah, if anybody's familiar with that shout out um, to the gift shops and no but in of door county seriously i'm sure you'll hear about it. i mean it's it's, it's getting like it. it's no. getting like major pub no i watch every single like booming whatever show that yeah. comes out so I'll, I'll get around to it i've just well, get, get to the just... get to the jinx too if you haven't watched that Jeez, that's a, that's a great one okay um but sure yeah enough. this is if you enjoy fargo true detective the jinx serial even true detective uh, season one i'm assuming or season two season two is good um you would love this so it's i mean it's ridiculously good but anyway uh so basically i was like i wanted to watch that the whole evening i was like well i really want to watch clippers thunder too and that proved to be the right call because this was a great game this was a game that the clippers at home uh controlled for you know for the better part of of the game really and even into the fourth quarter okc made its run westbrook was off for a lot of this game and he Typical Westbrook as far as you know being active and, and making plays, but he just couldn't finish at the rim. Seemed like he was on the ground all the time, but comes through with a huge three late in the game off a screen out of a timeout, which I thought was a little bit of a questionable call by Billy Donovan to set up a – I think it was Durant brought it up and they brought, a, they brought Ibaka up on a back screen for Westbrook to just kind of do a mini flare cut for an open three. I mean, this is a guy who's shooting 30%, who has kind of taken some pretty rough shots at this point in the game, but – of course, he knocks it down. Um, Chris Paul's able, I believe it was Chris Paul, to tie it up. And then Durant, just cold-blooded pull-up jumper um, to put OKC up. Chris Paul tries to get another jumper off on the other end. KD blocks it uh, as time expires. So it was pretty much the KD show for the last minute. But, I mean, this 
this reflects more on the Clippers to me, I guess. We've seen them lose close games this year over and over. They, they fell to the Rockets over the weekend. Uh, you know, we, they lost twice to Golden State in, in pretty horrendous fashion. Now this game, are we sure that the Clippers, who are three games above 500, who are 16-13, and 13, who have a worse record than the Detroit Pistons, are we sure that they're a good team? They're a good team, but that doesn't mean that they are even, you know, top five in the NBA or even top five in are the Are they a top West. five team in the West? Warriors, Spurs, Thunder are locked in. I'm locking those in. Yeah, yeah. No, that's top three. They're four or five for sure. I mean, if you want to believe that the Mavericks, who are actually right now, as of Tuesday, fourth in the West, ahead of the Clippers, that they're better. Either way, you shake it up. I think the Clippers are definitely top five. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't close out games. That doesn't mean they have a major liability on their hands with DeAndre Jordan. That doesn't mean that Chris Paul is slowly but surely getting over the hill. Blake Griffin takes too many deep shots instead of just stepping behind the three-point line. Maybe he should just, like Shaq, like Shaq and Charles Barkley say all the time, just post up down low and dominate everyone. Then you'll be a Hall of Famer just doing that. Um, so this is a team with obvious glaring problems on top of that. They don't know who to play coming off the bench. Do you play Lance, Wesley, Cole Aldridge got 14 minutes. Aldridge is great in this and game. And he was amazing, and everybody applauded him, and it sounds like it's exactly what the, the guys on the floor wanted Doc Rivers to do. He did it. It worked out perfectly. So you wonder if this is you know kind of like the, the unofficial end for Josh Smith, who didn't play at all. But if Cole Aldridge is, is going to come on for 14 minutes and you know give you plus six on the plus minus, which in all honesty, it seemed like it, it should be more than that. Um, so there's a lot of question marks, but we're, you know, we're still at this point in the season, Nick, where we're probably judging too harshly. Um, they are a top five team in the West by my estimation, and they're rounding into form. As long as they're right there, this is a team that can make a deep run into the playoffs because they have Griffin, because they have... Paul and DeAndre Jordan when needed maybe every other game steps up and is one of the best centers in the league this is definitely a team that's built to succeed in the postseason I think right yeah I mean I think I they're the way well, besides the way that's last year well against right Houston but yeah yeah but I mean they they, they made it further in the playoffs than the Spurs did I mean if we want to make I mean they beat the Spurs if we want to make that argument Singer. but but uh you know I, I think they when it when it comes down to the postseason you want to have these superstar guys and they have like two and a half of them right now and they have paul pierce who's just awesome in the playoffs and a guy you want on your roster at that point even though he's been pretty bad through this first third of the season but i don't know i don't feel like they're cruising you know there are teams like like even okc like they're 19 and 9 right now and it's like yeah they're probably not a nine loss team like they, they have a couple questionable losses kd was hurt whatever like i feel like they're kind of cruising a little bit and they know they're going to be there when it matters the clippers don't feel that way they, they feel like those 13 losses are like legitimate 13 losses. It's not like they just fall asleep and don't show up one night. It's this team is like kind of fighting for its life uh, on a nightly basis. And I'm not sure that's a really a great sign right now. No, I, I completely agree with you. It, it's not a team that feels like, uh, let's just wait to the postseason. If we're a four or five seed, fine, we'll take them on. And then if we play a team like the Warriors or the Spurs, who's number one, then we'll do it. We'll battle with them when the time really comes. What about, Unless I missed something on that final play where Durant hit that 18-foot jumper, like a classic Durant jumper. Everyone said, you know, Durant's back. There he is. Well, he's he's been pretty darn good all season long, not just last night because he hit a, you know, almost a buzzer beater. Um, but the fact that Jamal Crawford was guarding him, like I, I think that, I mean, yeah. isn't it the whole reason why you bring Lance Stevenson or even Josh Smith is in those situations where you have quick length guys, bigger length guys that can defend someone like 
Kevin Durant, I don't like if if Jamal Crawford is going to guard Kevin Durant in the final minute of the game, then why did you bring on all these guys? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it was an odd lineup. I mean, they went they had Redick in there too, so you know, you're, you're going three guards basically. Um, you know, with with DeAndre Jordan and Blake and yeah, I, I I think obviously there's a rift going on between Smith and and Doc oh. Rivers. I think that that kind of goes without saying. So maybe that's part Some of it. Some assistant coaches too. I've heard that he's been getting into it. It's shocking. Just, it, yeah, shocking exactly. stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 Jamal Crawford is, you know, it's not well. Jamal Crawford wasn't guarding. I'm watching the play right now. It was it was Mute. Oh, was it um, Mute? Okay, that who kind of looks like Jamal Crawford from afar. Right, so I get to, yeah, I was gonna say that seems like a really bad match. But yeah, it was Mbamute. Okay, then I completely so, retract that's everything exactly, I said. That's exactly who, that's you, who you would want on him. And so, okay. I mean, he played him well. Durant just kind of stutter step going to his right. That's the direction he likes to go and and knocks it down. So I, I don't know. I don't know if the defense is necessarily the fault. I mean, the Clippers kind of blew this game uh, with a couple of silly turnovers. They they had a, a possession near the end where. It, J.J. Redick is, is trying to drive for some reason. He ends up getting stripped, falling to the ground um, by by Westbrook, and, and that's kind of what set everything up at, at that point. The Clippers were down one um, at that time. They ended up turning it over, um, and that's well, that's when <laughs> Deion Waiters threw that, that inbounds pass that Chris Paul stole uh, to put the Clippers up one, which he clearly got fouled on, by the way. I, I honestly think... Um, I think Westbrook dove at his legs. I did you watch honesty, it? Like he didn't. He didn't trip. He like legitimately like like dove into Chris Paul's legs, and they, and you could. I mean, he made contact. Paul barely got off the ground on his jump. He still kind of finagled it in there somehow. But that first of all, that's a foul. Second of all, I I don't know. Maybe not a flagrant foul, but I, I thought nobody really seemed to bring that up. That like Westbrook, I thought went at his legs. Uh, in all honesty, I don't remember that happening and obviously that makes sense since I thought Jamal Crawford was guarding Kevin Durant. Yeah, it was, it was I mean, under so 10 I'm seconds. not even going to try to like recollect because obviously I, I don't remember the final. All I remember is KD hitting the shot over somebody and then KD stuffing it. Um, Chris right. Paul, did you see after the game, by the way, somebody asked him what was more, what will remember more and he's like, definitely the game winning shot. You know, when you grow up, you always think about hitting oh, the yeah. shot, not blocking a, a potential buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. But uh, bringing it back home, Nick, the Clippers are still a very very good team and a team that's a four or five seed in the West is going to struggle for the entire season. That's just how it always goes with a team like that. That's just below the frontier. So we can say that they're struggling, that they're, they're not living up to expectations, but you know what? A team that's going to finish from four to five to six in the, any conference is, is going to be a team exactly like this. They can catch fire in the playoffs when it matters until then they're going to have some bad performances. They're going to barely struggle to be above 500 at 16 and 13, but they have the major pieces in contention to where come playoff time, erase everything, they're a very good team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. The, the, the bench moves haven't really worked out quite as much as we, as we thought. Do they need to bring somebody in, or do they need to get rid of people to make situations more clear to say, Jamal Crawford, you're going to be seeing 28 minutes a night. Uh, you know, Mba Mute, you're going to be seeing 28 minutes a night. Do, do we just need more clarity here, or do we need to bring somebody else in entirely? I... I think these the mix of personalities that they have have kind of, you know, like you kind of hope that you know, a lot of times when guys like Josh Smith and Lance Stevenson and I don't know West Johnson, he's not really a he's never really been a, a coach killer or anything like that. But you know, journeyman type of guys. When you, I think there's like this thought that if you bring them onto a winning team, that kind of solves everything. You know, I mean, it's like you know, you bring in 
when LeBron came to Cleveland, you know, like they're like, oh, Deion Waiters will just fit right in, and <laughs> you know, Waiters in OKC has worked out a little bit, I guess. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't really bombed out, but I think when they brought all those personalities together, they're like, oh, we have you know, we have this core here. Chris Paul will keep him in line. Blake Griffin will keep him in line. We'll be winning. It won't matter. And like, I don't know how true that is, especially when these guys. You know, Josh Smith is such a unique case. You know, former like perennial All Star type of guy who's just kind of slid and slid these last few years, and the mix of personalities hasn't been great, and they really haven't won that much either. So I don't think that you know the whole winning cures everything. We haven't really seen that. That hasn't even been an option yet. So you know, maybe they're not winning. I I don't know at what point you got to draw the line and say maybe we need to switch things up. Uh, These guys are on cheap, short deals. It's possible. I mean, there's there's going to be minimal interest for Stevenson, but it's going to be out there, and you can. You can switch them out for a similar player, but I just don't know if I don't even know if you package these guys. None of them are attractive enough that you'll be able to bring back a real impact player. You can just kind of swap out piece for piece. Maybe a guy you might think fits better personality-wise. Maybe a guy who specializes more defensively, specializes more as a shooter, something like that. But you're not going to be able to bring in like a huge, huge difference maker unless you're willing to deal one of your difference makers. You look at this bench, and two years ago, it would be absolutely amazing, absolutely insane. Lance Stevenson starts with Indiana, leads the league in triple-doubles. Wes Johnson starts for the Lakers. Prigioni is starting for the Rockets. Crawford is still in L.A. doing great things. Pierce starting for the Nets. Josh Smith, premier all-star, like you said, back in Detroit. And so two years ago, yes, but it's, you know, it, two years into now, it's just not the same. Lots of name recognition, but it's not working out. Um, we can move they're on. Only, they're only ten and ten against the West, which and know, been, includes two games against Golden State. And they've been really bad against the top elite teams, which poses yeah, problems problem. in the postseason. But a couple of years ago, the Spurs were they started off really bad against top teams in the West too. And it just it's, Spurs are exempt from all arguments yes, ever. I don't even right. want to. I don't even want to entertain that. Uh, Trailblazers Hawks. This is one. Uh, Dennis Schroeder lost a tooth in this game, and then put I it in his kind of sc- and then put it in his sock. That's, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's some sort of like tooth fairy situation. He was expecting money to, to show up in there. Like, it's a good thought. I mean, I would probably do the same thing, but that's just gross. I don't want to talk about that. Um, no McCollum and no Damian Lillard for Portland. So I think even the fact that they were able to keep this close, I mean, losing by less than 10 points is, says something. Uh, they shot 47% from the field, only made five threes. That's the issue. This is a team that takes a ton of threes. And when you don't have your two best three-point shooters on the court, that's going to be an issue. So definitely not a surprise to see Portland lose. I don't really want to talk about this game as much as I do uh, Portland in general. I mean, this is a team that if the season ended now, they have the fifth worst record in the league. So if you look at it from, you know, assuming that the lottery would go, you know, best to worst, or excuse me, worst to best, which never is actually the case, but assuming that's kind of the best we can do right now, there's no way to predict it. You go Philly one, LA two, Brooklyn three, New Orleans four, Portland five, Milwaukee six, Sacramento seven, Minnesota eight. Those are kind of your bottom eight. Phoenix is at 12 wins, one ahead of Portland, Milwaukee, Sacramento, Minnesota. I think they're still maybe a little better. Denver could fall back, whatever. Either way, Portland's in that kind of second tier. I think Philly, LA, and Brooklyn are noticeably worse than everyone else. New Orleans only has eight wins, but they're not going to be a sub-20 win team like the rest of those three could be. If you're Portland, you're in a weird position because your two best players are good enough to win you a a decent amount of games. Uh, I mean, a third of your games probably, um, which certainly isn't going to get you in the playoffs. But if you're Portland, is there uh, there any way that you try to, for lack of a better term, kind of rig this so you can add another piece? I mean, you have tons of cap flexibility, so free agency is an option. But, I mean, you might have the opportunity to add a – a Brandon Ingram to this this tandem of McCollum and Lillard and you know it, it, with how the lottery works out if you're one of those bottom five or six teams 
we've seen you can you can jump into the top three or four with relative ease yeah most definitely and i think when you talk about rigging it nick essentially that's not the right word at all well, no 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 you're, you're along the right train of thought though the, essentially what they would need to do to lose more games is rest mccollum and rest lillard and guess what they're on the they've been on the floor for so often it was bound that they were going to get hurt and so now we have mccollum uh who's questionable for wednesday's game and lillard has already been ruled out of wednesday's game <laughs> at some point as you go uh, throughout the course of the season these guys are just going to get tired and they're going to wear down they can't keep up this pace where they're taking over 50 percent of their team shots and so um you know, when the season started, I actually said I think that the Trailblazers will be the second worst team in the NBA, and obviously I'm, I'm somewhat wrong. They're they're really not that good. I wasn't expecting McCollum to come along so quickly. I thought it would just be the Lillard show instead of the Lillard and McCollum show. But anyways, I mean they're going to tank and they're going to add a front court option. I still like Aminu, uh, Vonla, Mason Plumley, uh, Myers Leonard. Those are all really nice. Is it? I've Vonle. heard. No, it's Von La. It's not Von La. No, well, they're they're well, they're how play- would you how would you possibly get that out of there? Uh, their play by play guy said it a couple nights ago when they were playing Von La. Uh, basketball Reference says Von Lay. Okay, so I've been saying Von Lay. I heard Von La, and that's I, what I mean, I've been going with it, recently. Sure, I don't know. I'll I'll see if I I'll do some research on that. You continue. I'll see if what I can dig up here. Oh no, I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tim Frazier plays 48 minutes last night. And if you're counting them up, that's every single minute. In terms of fantasy, he can get you a triple-double. Um, he can do that. He played with the Sixers a couple years ago. They let him go. I, I put him in the same class as Ish Smith, where if you're looking at fantasy, if these guys play a lot of minutes, they're going to be major fantasy producers and in the top 10 of whatever position they're playing for that. For that. All right. One more time. One more time. Okay, I'll call. I'll happily call him Vo- <laughs> Noah Vonley. I've only been doing it for the last couple of days, so it's not like a major lifestyle change for me. <laughs> um, do you think they need to add a front court option? I mean, they have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, uh, who you think is kind of the backcourt of the future for this team, right? I mean, I, I, I also feel like they're kind of in a position where they might take the best player available, right? I mean, it totally. It's so far out that we don't even know who the top five prospects are going to be or whatever at that point, but. I don't know that they're so, so set with those two that they wouldn't take a Chris Dunn or a Jamal Murray. Like I was, you know, When you started talking about this, I immediately Google searched Chris Dunn, and then I looked at his height and his yeah, position. Yeah. He's 6'3". Yeah, it's like... Where he, it's just like he can't quite play small forward. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, you, I don't know. If, there's nobody that I think would, like, immediately unseat McCollum or Lillard. Like, you're not going to get anybody in the backcourt that you just say, like... You know, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, who's... Like I don't know a, a big time prospect the last few years who turned out like even John Wall was like a huge huge point guard prospect and like like Oladipo well even or, yeah I mean Oladipo was that was a weird draft that was a bad draft he I mean most drafts he probably goes like late mid to late lottery I think D'Angelo but, Russell yeah I mean I think D'Angelo Russell and Chris Dunn are probably comparable prospects as far as what they're where they're going to end up being projected when it's all said and done but I think Lillard is I mean they've committed to him already long term like he's not going anywhere McCollum. You know, like, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody in this draft that you say, we'd be willing to move C.J. McCollum to the bench if we can get this guy. No, not so at all. So maybe it is a situation where they do have to target a small forward. But, I mean, Brandon Ingram for this team would be incredible. Obviously, Ben Simmons for any team would be great. Yeah. I mean, there, there are prospects that are, that are going to be available. And there, this isn't your typical bottom five team, I feel like. For, for certain reasons, like, most bottom five teams don't have, like, two 
pretty established, very good players. Right, and so you got those two guys, and let's just say they hang on to uh, Crab, who's been really well, Aminu, Vonley, Leonard, uh, maybe Ed Davis, who's been really good, and it, let's just say they have that core of the front court in Plumlee, of course, and they have them for three years. In three years, if these guys stay together, they're going to be really good. They're going to be an above-average yeah. front court, and then the back court is already way above average, and so this could be a very good team. Yep. What I wonder is, what if there's not a good front court option in the first five picks, and they actually have to... Trade Go, down, trade down. You could, you could, yeah, you could move the pick. And that's the thing that this isn't a draft that's rich with big time front court talent. I mean, Ben Simmons, I guess you could consider a small. He forward, would be power on forward, this team, whatever. especially a big guy team. that can dish with with yeah. these two guys on I mean, the wings be, or something. He'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brandon Ingram, I think I like a lot. They'll, they'll look at Jalen Brown. I'm sure Ivan Rab. LaBCA, I'm not very high on right now, but I mean, still early in the season, haven't even gotten to conference play. What if they go with Sabonis's kid? I mean, he's projected kind of right <laughs> in that range. That that would make sense. He, I mean, nobody his, his actually, dad's still up in that area. Nobody actually says Sabonis's kid's first name. It's always it's Sabonis's kid. Sabonis's Sabonis yeah. kid. He's actually getting a lot of run because uh, is it Karnowski or something like that is yeah. out for Gonzaga right now. So he's Sabonis was hitting threes last night. I mean, this guy, this guy's currently a projected late lottery pick. But I think, I mean, he can get yeah. up. He could get under the you know five, six, seven range. So is he going to be better than Myers Leonard right away? Probably not. So you're going to have not a right situation. away. But I don't, there's nobody on this team besides those two guards that like that they're really committed to long term. Like Ed Davis, Myers Leonard, Alan Crabb, My- Mason Plumlee, all those guys. If you're talking like two, three years down the road, one, they're on cheap, affordable deals. Two, like they, that becomes like a really good bench unit, right? Like those, if those guys become your like fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth best players, like that, you're in pretty good shape. I completely agree. Um, we've we've had some great discussion, but we should probably move on. Last thing I want to say is roll back the tape on the Wednesday podcast with me and Josh Hayes. He's a terrible influence because he says Von La. And for every single every single episode we've done this whole year, I said Von Lay, correcting him. And you know what? I, I went. I, to don't, the dark I want to know side. where Josh got that. I, if you're listening, Josh, let I us would, know. No, I'm not even joking. I heard a play-by-play announcer. Maybe it wasn't the Trailblazers say Von La, or so I. Tweet Maybe. at us at Trainer DJ at info, Yeah, I'm, I I certainly could be wrong. The internet could be wrong. It's been wrong before. Preferably, we're looking for family members who could say it on tape, maybe in a vine or a gif or something like that, and just uh, send it our way. We need to know. Yes, please do that. Um, so yeah, let's look at some of the other box scores quickly before we get into. Uh, we'll do trivia again. We'll do some good team, bad team. Uh, other things that stood out: the Bulls losing at home to the New Jersey Nets. This was not uh, this was not a good showing. This was not the showing that Chicago was looking for coming off of that last loss. People were saying Jimmy Butler called out Fred Hoiberg. I don't think I don't think that's what he meant to no. do. I think it was I th- I think he certainly meant to get his attention, but I also don't think it was a calling out in the, you know, whatever the traditional sense of calling out is. I thought it was just a, you know, kind of an observation by him more than anything and it was a you know, it wasn't this coach isn't making us practice hard. He's not being holding us accountable. It was you know, hey, coach, we we need to be more accountable. We lost three straight games. We lost to Detroit, New York, and Brooklyn. These aren't teams that the Bulls should be losing to, and it's going to be tough to write the ship because they're at Oklahoma City on Friday. Hot take real quick. It, it won't take me long. Um, why do we chastise players for actually speaking their mind when we also chastise them for talking player speak or coach speak? 
You know what I mean? So, like, after the game, oh, you know, we'll get him next time, take it one day at a time. We hate when players do that. And then Butler comes out, he speaks his mind, he's very blunt and honest, and then we chastise him in the media about it, too, to the point where, essentially, we hate everything that every player would ever say. I hate it. Yep. There's, you can't win. You really can't win. You know, if you, you take the high road, then you're boring. If you take the low road, then you're outspoken and a thug, um, which is not very rarely the case um so yeah i mean it's you're gonna offend anybody basically no matter what you say so you it's understandable why athletes are so coy with with the press conferences and you know the the dreaded like post-quarter interviews which i just like want to bang my head into my tv (laughs) when when they go up there and i feel i feel bad for the reporters who ask the most cliche questions ever but like what do you else what else are you gonna ask you know and players just immediately like when's the last time you've like been like wow that was a really good interview like wow he answered the question like the question is you know what did you guys have going in the second quarter that allowed you to go on that run and it's just well we hit some shots uh you know teammates played well uh you know uh we hit some shots all right great kevin thanks like that's the interview like why are we even doing this why who cares what information is being divulged there it's a waste of time and but like you said on the other on the other side of the coin is if they, if you go out and say, "No, yeah, they weren't playing good D," you know, they they weren't Ding me up. I was just hitting everything. Like then you're then you're the th- then you're like the, the crazy. Thug and there's guy. 20 articles that night about how you're putting your team on blast. Yeah. Team dynamic is messed up. Everyone's writing about it. It's it's absolutely insane. It's no win. And it's not like he even did anything that crazy out of hand. Anyways, back to the game. Hot take. I think it was. It was much. This, oh, that wasn't the hot take. No, sorry, my bad. That that was definitely the hot take. Um, that I I hate that, but. In the show notes here, I have ugly, boring, demoralizing game all the way around. Yeah. And it pretty much fits any Nets game, but especially when you have this Bulls team that just has no identity. Hoiberg is coming into a situation where it's like, man, maybe we'd actually have, we'd rather have or want to have inexperienced players and all these veteran players because it seems like Butler has a certain standard by which he should be coached and it's not quite matching up to his potential. Well, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Gasol, um, you know, you're switching out things. Bobby Portis should probably see more minutes. Noah should probably be traded. There's just a lot going on here, and Hoiberg's not really going to win. And the funny thing is that the Bulls really aren't, I mean, they're, let me check it out here. Oh, I guess they've tanked a little bit. Not tanked. They're six. They're 15 and 11. If we just talked about the Clippers, it's the same record as the Clippers. Yeah, I think there's still the under, there's still that thing though that it's it's the East and the East has been arguably better than the West this year. But yes. I mean the other thing about that is they are back of Miami by one game and Miami's in second. So I mean these the standings literally vacillate between like two and the two seed and like the nine seed. Like every night you're like you could fall you could fall like six spots and it happens. So I'm not really worried about where they stand right now. I think it's you know that'll shake itself out, but. The thing about bringing in Hoiberg is he's such a contrast from Tibbs that like a guy like Jimmy Butler who's only been coached by Tibbs before this year, he didn't know anything else other than you know being ridden at practice and everything's tough and he's that kind of guy. He's that's kind of always been his identity even back you know from his college days. And I think when you go to a coach who's clearly much more relaxed, who's not maybe holding guys quite as accountable as Tibbs did, it might not be that Hoiberg's not holding guys accountable. It's that he's not doing it to the level that Tibbs did. And, and obviously it's not really working out for them quite yet. 15-11, I think, is not quite where they wanted to be. But at the same time, you know, it's, I don't think, you know, they're not in any danger of missing the playoffs or anything like that. And I just think this team isn't OKC. OKC is going through a similar transition, Scott Brooks to, to Billy Donovan. But that team is so talented that, like, I, it, I, don't, I would like to see what would happen if they just didn't have a coach. 
them or any good team like what like would it really matter that much i don't know i'm sure i'm well, discounting coaching a little bit but like they're just so talented that they can if billy donovan isn't coaching them well it's not going to matter the, the talent will overcome that the bulls aren't that talented well a lot of pundits would actually say that that's the case is that donovan has actually hurt them if they didn't have a coach and some of the things yeah. that he's running up the the rotation styles that they have where you have westbrook and durant yeah. off the court um like you brought it up at the top of the show where it didn't make sense was it to bring durant or westbrook off the court and so it's 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 rookie bumps and bruises for coaches too i mean if we're gonna say you know like emmanuel moody we're gonna give him a pass for this entire season because he's a rookie he's playing at an all-time low efficiency rate but um, for whatever reason we don't hold coaches to the same standard and so we hold him a little higher in regard we do and they're also subject to different expectations like a rookie a rookie player isn't said hey we need you to go like take this team to the playoffs like right now. Uh, you're bringing in two rookie coaches in Donovan and and uh, Hoiberg and basically saying, well, I guess Donovan's not technically a rookie coach, is he? This is the second NBA stint, but he might as well he be. Basically, it's is the equivalent to like Parker right. or Julius sure. Randle. Sure. Um, and you're asking, you're basically saying like, here's your team, like you got to win right away. You know, you don't you don't get that adjustment period as a coach that you do as a player. So. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams end up and whether whether coaching ends up being you know as big of a factor in their in their ultimate success or lack of success when it's all said and done. Um, any other games you want to touch on from this slate? Anything that stood out? I mean, we were no no Warriors playing, no Cavs last night. Uh, Kyrie did debut over the weekend. That was nice. He looked extremely good. Um, the Rockets beat the Hornets. The Hornets aren't a bad team. That's a that's a good win for Houston at this point. Um, Spurs beat the Pacers. Paul George, really, really rough night for him. I think he was one of 14 shooting. Uh, Swallowed alive by Kawhi. Uh, yeah, so Not only on the defensive end, but on the offensive end as well. Think about those, those two guys could have played together. How fun would that have been? I mean, they could have had arguably the two best like wing defenders in the league and a top five, of, arguably both top five offensive wings in the league at this point too. I mean, geez, that... The deal did work out for both, technically, I guess. But if you're Indiana, I think I don't think you make that deal now. In retrospect, um, we talked about Thunder Clippers. Durant hitting the game winner there, getting the game winning block. Um, the Magic beat the Knicks. Good for them. Uh, Celtics beat the Timberwolves. Timberwolves are just not a good team right now. They they looked like didn't they start the year like five and two, five and three, something like that. And you're like kind of like the Kings of last year. We're like, hey, maybe maybe something's gonna happen here. Maybe they can you know kind of keep this going. Except and, their coaches ended up getting then, fired. Except well, not quite yet with Sam Mitchell, but maybe around the corner. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think if they were going to fire Sam Mitchell, they would have done it already. I think. I they, know that's the thing is that like if they were going to do it, they should have already done it. Nah, Maybe I, they're just kind of waiting for somebody else. What I about just going to hit the reset button in the off season? Like, I mean, what about Tibbs or Scotty Brooks? I mean, those are a not, couple grade A options out right. there. Though that's those aren't guys you bring in mid season though. I don't think they'd be interested in taking over the Timberwolves right now mid season. I think in the off season you add another piece you sort out some contract situations and then you go after one of those guys i mean sam mitchell's not going to be the coach of this team next year but no way i don't they really don't have an incentive to fire him now i mean they're 11 and 17 it's not like they're looking to get a spark i mean i think if you're timberwolves management you're like you're pretty fine with this you're not the sixers i mean you're not getting killed every night you're in every game but you're also losing enough that you're going to be able to add another young piece yeah, I mean, they're in a very, very peculiar situation that you wouldn't wish upon any organization. Let's be clear about that. Um, 
but you know, at some point you do have to look towards the future and you wonder, uh, you know, they're going to have somebody coming else. They're going to have somebody else coming in. They just have to, um, I'm trying to look. The only problem is that they're 11 seed in the West right now, and they're getting dangerously close to that territory where they're not quite a lottery pick or, you know, they're at the very end of the lottery pick where it's almost like Timberwolves. Right. I mean, they're like, they're like tied for like they're 11th in the. 11 and 17. I think they're firmly they're firmly going to be a lottery team. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're like 6th or 7th worst record in the NBA right now, right? So so I mean, not a top 5 lottery. Do you think they're going to be end up a top 5 te- top 5 bottom team? So you think the Pelicans and Trailblazers and Kings will essentially overpass them and maybe even the Bucks will overpass them? Bucks, yes. Pelicans, well, see, maybe. Well, here's the thing, Nick, that if, if you agree that they're going to be like a top five lottery team or you're thinking about it, you also agreed with me, and not to put you on blast, that this could be a second-half team that really takes off in the second half. And so I think that this team is actually going to get better in the second half to where, if you're looking at it, they're not really going to get lapped up by any, anybody. The in, Wolves oh. or the Pelicans? Did I say well, the, both. No. I think the Pelicans could be one. You know, once. well, not not this episode, but a couple episodes ago, I said you know Utah Jazz had a surprising second half last year, and oh, if I right. had to pick anybody, it would be the Timberwolves to to really turn it on in the second half with mm-hmm. a lot of young pieces who are finally learning how to sure. play together. Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think that should have happened by now, though, right? Like they don't have injuries, really. Yeah, I mean, they've had a, a few here and there, but every team has had those at this point. I get. I mean, last year, my kind of the argument behind that was like Rubio missed so much time. Wiggins was a rookie. Like, Wiggins is better, but he's also just like completely absent of playmaking. He's just kind of a scorer right now. That's that's been an issue. Kevin Martin's killing them right now. Like Towns isn't quite good enough to to carry you night to night. Which I mean, the fact that he's even like maybe good enough to do that some nights says a lot. Which is you know a great building piece, but. I don't know. They're, they're not going to be a bottom three team. I mean, they could maybe sneak into the top five depending on how the lottery goes, but I think they're fine with that. I think they would rather – they're not good enough to get into the playoffs anyway, right? No, and I, I don't think they should be trying to get into the playoffs, and that's my thing is, well, you've already said you don't want to be in the middle. You don't want to barely make the playoffs, lose first round, and mm-hmm. then not be get a lottery pick. Um, but I don't know. There's something to be said about long lasting coaching relationships with the young players. And you'd like to get, you'd like to have, yes. if, if Brooks is, you're going to, if somebody like Scotty Brooks is going to be your coach next year, you would love to have him in the ear of towns in Wiggins, uh, right now, instead of later on when, you know, Mitchell is going to give the foundation for these players for the rest of their career. Is that something I want? If I'm a Timberwolves saying, no, I want, I want the next coach to already be in their ear. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, especially a, with some of the moves that he's made, like benching Towns in the fourth quarter and right. stuff. It's like stuff like that. Do you kind of wonder if that can impact development? Starting Prince, starting, right. you know, Andre Miller, Kevin Martin. Yeah. Just like that, that can't happen. This is just a tough situation, though, too. Obviously, everything that happened with Flip Saunders, you know, that was unexpected, clearly. And I don't think that they, you know, I think that was kind of the plan for now is like let Flip be the, the development guy for these for, the, for this team. And they didn't really have or at the time really think they needed a backup plan. So, you know, maybe they're still, I mean, it's still early in the year. Maybe they they just weren't prepared for this, and they're still kind of deciding where to go longer term. But, yeah, I mean, I, Sam Mitchell's not going to be the coach of this team long term. But like you said, if you want to get your guy in there sooner, and if, if they have a guy who's willing to do it, then maybe they make a move. Um, but I also think they're content with where they are. This is kind of their – they still have, like, the KG thing that they can use as, like, a, hey, not everything's totally lost, you know. Like, we're not a great team, but we have these good young guys. We have this – this veteran who's back home and you know I mean he, 
He got a standing ovation in Boston. Gino um, time. Who? Gino time. Gino Oriyama. No, dude. I researched this all night last night. So the cl- or the Celtics, um, they have this clip that they play of it's called Gino time when they're up big in the fourth quarter, right? And so it's like from American Bandstand, and they play it, and it's like these all like these people from the seventies dancing like crazy. And when KG was in Boston, he loved it. He cracked up every time they played it because they were up big. And they played it last night during the fourth quarter. And he went out and was laughing and giggling and kind of did his ovation thing. But they played it for him because he loved mm. it so much. Gotcha. I don't know why I was just like, oh, it must be Gino Ariama that you're talking no, about. I never knew about it but until yeah. last night. But apparently, like, it's a major Boston tradition. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it was good for him to, you know, and possibly his last game in Boston, although there's really no indication that he's going to retire after this year. I know. That's the funny thing is that we're kind of treating it like such, but apparently, like, if you're not going to go full bore like Kobe is, then, you know, who knows? Right, exactly. So, all right, real quickly before we get to trivia, uh, just a reminder that Rotowire is running a Rotowire championship competition for the remainder of the 2015 NFL season. The qualifiers have been running the last couple weeks in week 14 and 15. And this this weekend, week 16, will be the final qualifier to qualify for that week 17 championship. Top 31 players from those qualifying rounds will all punch their tickets to the week 17 championship. Um, we'll post a link on the site. It's up right now, I believe. It'll be We've on been Twitter tweeting as it well. Out. So yeah. if you want to get in on that, it's a great way to, to win some cash as the NFL season winds down, especially if you've been eliminated uh, in your season-long leagues. So I guess we have one more quick thing that I wanted to get to before trivia. I didn't see this. Good team or bad team? That's what we're going to call this. It's a very simple game and a terrible name for said game. But basically, I'm just going to give you a team, and you tell me if they're a good team or if they're a bad team. I'll give you a few, you know, 20, you wanna, 30 seconds to, to, to give your reasoning, and you we'll wanna, go from there. Do you want to qualify team or what what you're getting back because I, I i have the list no. in front of me all right go all right, no, let's that's just the point this. i mean we, we can add qual- that's where you kind of get into in your explanation but my point is is this a good team or is this a bad team just good or bad there's there's no in between here so what team we just talked about the chicago bulls bad team but the results aren't terrible so if you're looking at team composition it's horrendous people are calling out own players and I don't really care about the Hoiberg thing but uh, Butler is correct in you know calling out players and when you're calling out players you're calling out Rose because Rose has been terrible he's holding on to the ball too much um, and things like that Paul Gasol maybe is even holding on to the ball too much and when you could have younger guys come in like a Miritich like a Jimmy Butler or like a Bobby Portis and do better things so bad team but still they're getting results somehow some way fair enough is Utah that Jazz factory that's satisfactory. No, I think that's true. I mean, the Bulls are a team that are at 15-11, but they're the, they're a team that wins badly and loses well. So, <laughs> if that makes sense, you know, I mean, it it's they're a tough team to read, that's for sure. I mean, if you look at uh, you know, close games, this is a team that is 4 and 3 in games that are decided by less than 3 points. Um, and, and they're 4-4 four and four in games that are decided by more than 10 points. So they've blown four teams out, and they've been blown out four times. So they're kind of on both sides of the spectrum in, in both of those regards. So they're right on the fence. That's fair. The Utah Jazz, good team or bad team? Really good team last second half of last season. Right now, I'm going to say bad team. 
They're without Rudy Gobert. They're starting Trey Lyles at power forward, which is just might be one of the one of the worst starters that you have at, on any NBA team right now. And the worst, maybe the worst part is that Trevor Booker is is coming in to back him up. Um, and so I'm saying bad team right now. When Rudy Gobert gets back, you have Derek Favors shift back over to power forward, Gordon Hayward, and then you know uh, Ronnie Hood. The problem is Howell Neto. He's still starting at point guard, and he's one of those other guys that he's not going to give you much of anything. He's not really that good on defense. He can't do anything for you on offense. Uh, I mean, he's essentially a step down from, um, wow, it's been so long since he's played. I forgot his name already. Um, Australian point guard. I do this once. Dante Exum? Yeah, I do this once every episode. Dante Exum. I've literally wrote maybe like 10,000 words on Dante Exum over the last year, and I still can't remember his name. Um, So Dante Exum really wasn't that great last year either. He was overrated last year, and Neto is a step below him, maybe even two or three steps below him. So bad team right now. Rudy Gobert will come back and sue some things. But, I mean, Trey Burke is your bench guy. Alec Burks is your bench guy, who's not bad. But... um, they're still a couple years away, and even in a couple years, I'm not really afraid of this team at all. The Boston Celtics, they're at 15 and 13 right now. Really good team good, or bad team? Really good team. And I'm going to say team aspect. Um, I was going to use an analogy, but I don't want to mess it up. Um, they're really good collectively together in terms of Brad Stevens corralling the troops and them being one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, considering they really don't have an offensive go-to guy and they're still winning games at, at really a high clip. Um, let me check their record here. 15 and 13. 15 and 13. So yeah, that, that's really solid. Good team, but I can't believe they're doing it with the personnel they have right now. On Bill Simmons' podcast last week, he had one of his guests on. I don't know who the house, I think, one of the guys. And they, were, they discussed a hypothetical mellow to Boston trade. Yeah, I know. For, Let's get into did you, this. Did you listen oh, to that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and wanted to talk to you about House this. and Simmons both agreed that if you – I think the deal was like David Lee and Amir Johnson and then like James Young and, a, and, the, and the pick, the Bo- or the Brooklyn pick for mellow. And they and they both agreed that like this makes them a contender, like like, no a, way. like a legitimate contender. I I was like, no, no, like this team isn't a mellow away from from beating the Cavs, right? Like, no chance. <laughs> no, I, I'm so it was Joe House and who he has on weekly. I love Bill Simmons. I love Joe House. I, like, I Bill Simmons is one of my favorite NBA guys. My favorite. Where is he from again? Boston. Here's the thing: is that like he's has such a brilliant mind, especially with the NBA. His books are amazing. Everything he does is amazing. But you just can't validate anything he says about Boston. Unfortunately, the Celtics in particular. If if Melo was on this team, I think they would might even be worse. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I don't I don't think that I don't know if it necessarily moves the needle. Like I think they there are games that Melo wins you if he's on your team, but there are also games that you don't win because Melo's on your team. Like games that this current collective guy a collection of guys would win because they play so well together. Melo's just a hard guy to play with. He's he might be the hardest superstar to acclimate in the league of anybody. And I'm trying to think of other examples. Honestly, I think it's him, right? I mean, if you want to, like, if you consider Rondo a superstar, he's a guy that you need to change the entire like framework of your offense to work around. And Melo's the same way. Like, there isn't. He's kind of the last of a dying breed of give me the ball one on one. That's how it's going to work. Type of guys. Like, he's he's a decent playmaker when he when he wants to be. Uh, but at the same time, we just haven't seen it on display that much. I think Westbrook maybe can be thrown into that category, and we won't truly know. Or what we do know, when when Kevin Durant's out of the game, he does amazing things, get out of his way, but they don't win. That game, that team is Westbrook's team, watching OKC this year, and it shouldn't be, but it is. And well, they're still kind of lingering from last year when he did like everything. They go like five possessions at a time 
maybe not. Okay, there were. I think I counted. I was trying to keep track of this in the fourth quarter. Like there were like two or three possessions in a row, multiple times where Durant like would touch the ball, but it would just be on like a swing or something. You know, like it was just like waiters one on one shoot Westbrook pick and roll with Ibaka. Like if you watch like LeBron with the Cavs, like it is so rare for them to go an entire possession without LeBron touching the ball. And like it's not Kevin Durant's fault necessarily. I'm not saying he's not you know being assertive enough or anything, but the way that they use him on this team is kind of crazy. Like how he's almost a uh, He's just like the super sidekick to Westbrook, who's just there to get you a basket whenever you actually need one. Dude, I know. It's, I've been. It's odd. I don't know. I don't like it. We've talked about this, and I, that's what I told you. There's no movement in the. There's no movement, and the problem is that uh, I think we brought up a, an amazing point a couple of weeks ago, Nick. Is that if these two guys had been playing on different teams their entire career, and we talked about trade scenarios, and we said let's match up Russell Westbrook with Kevin Durant, we would laugh hysterically. We'd say but no. Who way. matches up well with Westbrook? Like. No one. Exactly. Well, KD might be better than anybody because he can catch and shoot better than just about any other superstar. Well, I know. That's why I'm saying that bringing Russell Westbrook is a good comparison to Carmelo Anthony in that isolation star that doesn't necessarily help his team. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so back to this Boston thing. The, the problem with Boston in general, even putting aside Bill Simmons' hysterical trade for Carmelo Anthony and them challenging the Cavaliers, which is just absurd in itself. Uh, love you, Bill, but just there's no way that happens is they have so much to work with with three first round picks over the next three years nets first round picks which are going to be really good which are much more valuable than their own yeah yeah exactly um so the problem is bringing in anybody not just somebody like Melo, is gonna kind of put their defensive strategy out of whack they have to bring in somebody that can legitimately help them on offense but doesn't mess up their defensive schemes right now. And that's incredibly hard to do unless you can bring in a Paul George or a Jimmy Butler or a Kawhi Leonard. And I know that's the upper echelon. I don't think those are going to happen. Exactly. And that's the problem is that I don't think there are any two-way guys that Boston are looking at and saying, yes, this guy would fit right into us with this system and help us on offense immediately. I think Cousins does. I think he's a much better defender than people give him credit for. But what if they don't? They have the advantage of... Like you said, they have the Brooklyn pick this year. They they just keep getting picks. So it's not like it's a make or break. If we don't trade this pick, we have to use it. It's like, yeah, you're going to get another Nets pick. You have other draft picks coming in in the future. So like, you don't have to make the big move this year if you're you don't want to rush into anything. Like I would say, don't trade for Melo just because he's the most available superstar. And we don't even know if he's available. He has a no trade clause. Would he even want to go there? Who knows? Um, but what you could do, like, what if they just go out? Like they need a center badly. What if you just go out and sign Hassan Whiteside? in the summer and then you use that pick and you you bring in what's going to be probably a top three or four uh pick in the draft i don't know i mean that, that seems no i i'm not just counting that the thing with the boston with danny ainge is that is it not blatantly obvious that he loves big men that can shoot the three the fact that he was going to trade up for kaminsky and give him was a three or four first round picks you have yeah. kelly olenic i don't think they weren't trading up for kaminsky oh they were trading up for winslow was it Winslow? Yeah, I like thought they, it was they weren't trading up to get Frank. I think they were the Nuggets or the Nuggets. The Hornets didn't want to trade because they wanted Frank. Okay, they weren't going to give up four picks for Frank Kaminsky. Oh, we got. Right? I got to look. I don't this think up so. Now. I don't. I mean, yeah, we can we, we can take a look. I, I don't think so. But looking at the Celtics, I've been kind of fascinated by these, you know, close game versus blowout records, and they have played an astounding amount 
of blowout games for a team that has the record that they do. They're twelve and six in games decided by more than ten points. Sorry to step in. Uh, it says Danny Ainge offered a wealth of draft picks, reportedly as many as four first rounders to move up. Woke up Friday morning happy the Hornets rejected the offer. The Hornets instead drafted Wisconsin power forward Frank Kaminsky. So yeah, there's I don't know the, the I just remember reading an article at the time, uh, ESPN article from June twenty sixth. Celtics' strong push to trade up and select Justice Winslow fell short. Yeah, I mean, they weren't going for Frank. They were going for Winslow. So maybe they, maybe they should have been targeting Miami with that. Either way. I don't either, know if Miami does it, but regardless. Either way, it, it's going to be hard to bring somebody into this Boston thing. But the cool thing, like you said, Nick, is maybe they don't need to. Maybe they should just draft out. They've right. got I mean, young they, guys. They think they're a pretty good team. I mean, you, you just said they're a good team. And they, they, they have the mark of a good team in some ways. Their differential is nice. But a lot of that, the, the thing about them is like, Look at the wins that they have. Tell me, I'm going to read you each win. There's only 15, and we'll go quickly. You just tell me if it's a good win or a bad win. We'll start from the top, from game one. Philadelphia. Bad. Washington. Good. No, that's just wrong, but fine. In general, it's... They're, the Wizards are like three games under 500. This season, okay. Fine. Well, it's, it's, I'm, I, I shouldn't be answering questions, so <laughs> Maybe good, I good on Washington. <laughs> good. Wrong. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Bucks. Bad. Hawks. Good. Thunder. You're trying to tell me what to say here. No. Good win. Rockets. Bad win, I guess. Nets. Bad. Sixers. Bad. Wizards. Bad, apparently. Heat. Good. We've lost like everybody in the East. Sacramento. Bad. Pelicans. Bad. Bulls. Bad, apparently. Hornets. That's a good win. That's a good one, yeah. And then Timberwolves. So it's like they're not they're not really like beating anybody <laughs> good. They did take the Wizards or the the Warriors to double OT if, if that tickles your fancy at all. You know, and sorry to just branch off when you're in first grade and there's that kid that just doesn't get it and the teacher is asking questions and he go and she goes one by one, one by one, and then she gets to that kid in the corner and when she asks it she like shakes her head yes or no what what, what he's supposed to respond. That's what you just did to me. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you, you're not going to give me the answers I'm looking for. It's what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all right. I, I had another team on here, Detroit, good or bad, but we'll skip that. Uh, we got to get to trivia, and this, that's, that would just lead us down a, a longer road. Uh, so that's a discussion for another day. But we'll get into trivia. This has been fun the last few weeks. Uh, you stumped me on, I think, what, four of the six questions last week. Um, oh, do, we have a, do we have, like, a running tally of, what, of, of our overall standing? We should maybe start that. Should we do that now? Um, Actually, no. The, the way that these questions are framed, it's kind of hard because we're just kind of... And mine were kind of a, somewhat ab, it's absurd last week. I'm More I'm abstract to, than absurd. You got the right prefix. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for giving me that. I will say, looking at the questions you have now, I apologize for my mediocre selection last <laughs> week. I understand why you were frustrated. Next week, I will do much better. I appreciate your apology, and I accept your apology. <laughs> All right, let's get started. I, we got some good ones today. I, I, I spent yeah. most I spent most of my morning doing this. Uh, so if there's any if there's any like injuries that are like just not on the site, eh, just know that they went you know that they were they were missed for a good cause. Um, so John Wall had 19 assists and four steals last night in that win over Sacramento. Who were the only other two players to have 19 assists and four steals uh, or more? So at least 19 assists and at least four steals in a game since 2002. One of these players has done it three times. The only uh, the other player has only done it once. Well, obviously, two thousand two means I need to pick somebody who played in two thousand two. No, not necessarily. It just means that there were people who did it like in two thousand two, and that that would have made the list a lot longer. So it's just basically like oh, gotcha. I since two thousand two. So that's yeah. That you're you're right to question that. Uh, I the, but neither player was neither player was in the league in two thousand two. 
Okay, so one immediately jumps to my mind. The other one I'm going to just be guessing, Rajon Rondo. Yes, he's done it twice this season. Yeah, yeah, that's that one's not surprising. He's an assist yep. and steals guy. I'm kind of surprised that it's only been three times. Right, in all, yeah, in all honesty. Um, <laughs> I almost just said John Wall, which is obviously been a, a great guess. answer. That would have been correct. Yeah. Um, hmm. 19 assists is just... Like, essentially just pick the best assisters of the past two seasons. Chris Paul. Chris Paul. There yeah, we go. let's get it. One for one so far. All right. So I was thinking today, is just, there just haven't been, like, big scoring performances, right? Like, it just doesn't seem like there. it's been a while since someone's, like, really gone off. So who was the last player to score 60 points in an NBA game? I wonder if this is a trick question because I know Terrence Jones went off like Terrence Jones did not score sixty points in a game. Oh, he put up like fifty a couple of seasons ago, right? Terrence Jones, yeah. Um, Mo Maybe. Mo Williams went off last season too. Mo did go off sixty though. <laughs> We're not, not talking fifty. There's been a number of fifty yeah, point yeah, games. I there know. hasn't That's been a, here's, a, here's a hint that I'll give you, and it's in the it's in our outline here. There are two sixty point games in 2013-14. Those were the last two. One of them came like two months. You know, after the other one, though. Okay. Hmm. Just giving, you know, the listeners some time to answer before right, I and, step and in with the correct answer. Rightfully so, yeah. Westbrook? No. Westbrook's never scored 60. Okay. Fair enough. There'll be a bonus part to this question that, that we'll get to in a second that'll kind of get to that. But So who was the last player to score 60 points in a game? In an NBA game. And it happened last season. It happened in 2013-14, oh, so two, two seasons, seasons ago. ago. Mello? No, he was one of the players to score 60 in that season. So he was the first one? He was the first one. He okay. put up, didn't he put up like 60 at the guard, and that was a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. And then this player also did it at home. Uh, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, I want to say it came against the, the Hornets, who might have been the Bobcats back then. Yeah, it was the Bobcats. And I remember him staying in the game pretty late to get it, and it was like, this is kind of weird, but all right. Oh, man. At home. Big-time player. Kobe? No. Big-time player. Opposite end of the country. LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron okay. James. It was LeBron James. I, don't, he, I uh, honestly have no memory of that whatsoever. Yeah, he had a he had a bunch of threes. It was uh, it was March third against Charlotte. Yep, forty one minutes, twenty two of thirty three from the field, eight three pointers, uh, sixty one point seven rebounds, four assists, two turnovers. Wow, I and mean, he obviously he's amazing and the best player right now. But I just don't ever really think of him as having massive breakout games. This is only like a sixty that. point game of his career. I mean, he's had several fifty point games, but yeah, that was the only one. So, bonus question, piggybacking off of this. Um, as we said, there were no 60-point games last year. There were a few 50-point games. Who accounted for both of the highest-scoring single games in 2014-15? So this guy had the two highest-scoring games. It's not Westbrook. Hmm. I think what, I think if you don't get it once I say it, you'll be like, oh, of course. Well, thanks for that. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I think it's a name that, like, I, w- I don't think I would come to mind right away. But, like, once you think of it, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally remember. He had those two huge games. Curry? Nope. Good guess. I mean, that seems like the obvious one. I don't know. Did, did Clay Thompson in one of those games when he scored like 30 or something in one quarter? No. What He, didn't, he finished with like 50-something in that game, but it, it wasn't one of the highs. Hmm. Maybe Anthony Davis? Did he ever get up there? 
Shoot. No, he he might he might have had a fifty point game, but he didn't have either of the highest. So who accounted for both the highest scoring single games in twenty fourteen fifteen? So last season, yep. Last season. Let me see. I'll get the numbers up for you. Maybe that'll help. Uh, fifty-seven and fifty-five. Fifty-seven and fifty-five. They came within within two months of each other, less than two months. Is it anybody you've already mentioned so far in trivia? Nope. No, not at all. Nope. There were eight fifty-point games last year. Lillard. Nope. He was not one of them. So Westbrook had a fifty-point game. Thompson did. That was the the quarter game. Uh, Mo Williams, like you said, Harden had two. Curry only had one. Uh, so this guy had a 57-point game and a 55-point game. Irving? Kyrie Irving. There we go. The one against the Spurs in that overtime game where he hit the double-clutch game to send it to OT. Sure. Uh, and then he had one against Portland. So doing against Lillard earlier in the season. I don't, I don't think LeBron played in that Portland game, did he? For some reason I remember like LeBron being in his suit, like mobbing Irving <laughs> as, he, like, as he got to 50 or whatever. But, yeah, so Kyrie Irving had both of the highest-scoring games last season 57 and 55 you're right you're right that makes sense and i've overlooked him for the entire season Mm because he hasn't played but you're i mean he is amazing in terms of scoring straight buckets yep switching gears a little bit which team has the longest active playoff drought at 11 straight years a lot of people would probably go with the sixers but we really aren't that far removed from them being in the um, less than five years collins you know the collins area where they had iguodala spencer haas was good for them what about sacramento kings no, it is not the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they got That's got to be close. They're number two. They have. They haven't made it since '06. Good. Good guess, DJ. Yeah, it's a very good guess. Um, Correct hmm. conference, though. It, okay. Hmm. 2004 would have been the last year that they made it. Utah Jazz, when they had Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap and Corver, they were good. Yeah, they were in in 2012. Okay. Love that dead air. Pelicans made it last year, so the Suns. Nope they they were in in 2010. You know the Nash years. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 2004, the last time. So they haven't been to the playoffs since Kevin Garnett was on the roster. Huh, which is kind right. of astounding to think about. Yeah, well, um, there you go. So yeah, 11. That's by far the longest in the league. Like like we said, Sacramento number two. But there's only there's only five teams that that have. Uh, current streaks of more than three years without missing the playoffs so you know their team like philadelphia obviously has been the subject of parody talks but for the most part when you got 26 of 30 teams that have been in the playoffs in the last three years love being humbled by trivia yeah that's a tough one i mean 11 11 seems like a long time so stephen curry is currently averaging 31.8 points per game that's tops in the league uh, so if you fin- assuming that he finishes out the season at 31.8, that would be the highest single-season total since Kevin Durant averaged 32.0 points per game two seasons ago. So other than Durant and Curry, can you name the other five players who have averaged 30 points per game or more in a single season since 2000? So KD's done it twice, and we're you know, going to kind of pencil Curry in this year as over 30. What five other players have done it since 2000? LeBron. LeBron did it once. Kobe? Kobe did it three times, I believe. Yep. Kobe's one of them. Mello? Mello is not one of them. Oh, Mello beat Duran a couple times for the scoring title back-to-back, it seemed like, before KD actually won it last year or two years ago. 
I could be wrong, but that doesn't mean he got to 30 points. I don't think he got over 30. Yeah, you could win it at, I mean, um, LeBron won it at like 20-something, 20 20, 28. Yeah, since 2000. So we have did it three times, did it twice, and did it once left up on the board. I, yes, I believe so. I'm going to verify that with our, our trusty friends at Basketball Reference. Shaquille um, O'Neal? No, not Shaquille O'Neal. Dwayne Wade? Dwayne Wade. Yes, 2008-2009, Dwayne Wade averaged 30.2 points per game. So LeBron's done it twice. I was I was wrong on that. LeBron's okay. done it twice. Kobe, like you said, has done it three times. Oh, I'm going to make myself look stupid now um, with the rest of my guesses. They're all, they're all big names. I think you, are you, they all still playing or are they done? Nope, not all of them. Um, <laughs> let me see. I know for sure... The two remaining are not playing. You got you got three, right? You got LeBron. You got LeBron, you got Kobe, Kobe Melo was not one. Wade was. So one. you got LeBron, Kobe, and Wade. Those three are obviously and still Shaq playing. Shaq wasn't one. Nope. I'm the next two, the next two are out. One of these guys has done it four times, um, and the other guy's only done it once. But the one season he did it, uh, he was over 32 points per game. So it was it was a pretty memorable year. Your boy Tracy McGrady. My boy Tracy McGrady, 2002-2003 scoring champion, uh, at 30. 2.1 so the other guy the only guy remaining he's been retired for it's always hard to feel like when did this guy officially retire like he hasn't been relevant in a while but i mean obviously a four-time 30 plus point per game scoring guy um he didn't even win the scoring title one year really he averaged 33 points a game and came in second to kobe for the scoring title that year but four years of 30 plus points per game who would that be amari stoudemire no okay Guard. Thanks for that grin, though. <laughs> I mean, like, really of course, not like, no, Self-confidence is just no, dropping as we no, speak. No, no, think about I've it. I've done a like, really good job so Who far, do you think of? Like, this is, like, the guy, like, volume scoring. If it's not Kobe, it's, like... Iverson. Iverson. Allen right. Iverson. Four seasons of 30-plus points per game. Um, all right, so two more. These are these are going to be these kind are, of uh, like like I said, Nick. These are amazing questions. These are I hope, yeah. These I are hope like, the listeners are enjoying this as much as I honestly yeah. am. So. These aren't just Q and A. This this is this one's going to be. Uh, so we're looking at the 2012 Olympic team, not the 2008 team that featured the great Michael Red and the great Carlos Boozer, and it's, but the 2012. We're still in the year 2015, right? Yes, now, we are right? in the so, 2015. Okay. So it's coming. I mean, the 2016 team uh, hasn't even been named yet. We'll still see who's going to Rio. But so the team, the 2012 Olympic team that beat Spain, that won gold in London. We're not talking about the FIBA team from, from last summer. I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to tell me whether or not they were on that 2012 team. Kevin Durant. Yes. Yes. Kobe Bryant. Yes. Yes. Stephen Curry. No. No, that's correct. He was on the, the FIBA team and not that team. Kyrie Irving. Well, here's the interesting one. I'm trying to remember if it was FIBA or Olympic, but this is when, and during the practice squad, I'm thinking – we had that infamous where Kyrie said he could take Kobe one-on-one, and Kobe's like, no way. And then Kobe said, you know, let's put $30,000 on it. And Kyrie was still like a rookie or second-year guy. He's like, no way, man. I can beat you, but I can't afford that quite yet. Did that happen in the Olympic team or the FIBA team? I will say it happened with the Olympic team. Yes, he was on that team. No, Kyrie hey. Irving was not on the team. He he had to have been one of the final cuts, I would imagine. I got to get half. I think, you know what? Uh, he might have been on the practice squad because they had a lot of. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they, they Paul bring in George a ton was on that practice squad. Well, he's the Gordon next guy Hayward. on the list. 
Oh, so no. <laughs> so no on Paul George, correct. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of good. They bring in, I mean, they brought in a ton of guys. Basically, the, they call it the, like, the select team, you know. And, and it's a really good honor. And, and a lot of those guys are all-stars in the NBA. Yep. Like I said, Hayward, Irving, Paul George. It's, it's the up-and-coming mm-hmm. people um, in the league. Andre Iguodala? He's the next one. Yeah, was he on the team or not? Definitely. He's been a staple on the U.S. teams. All right. So that that was a little easier than I thought it would be, but well done. No, I'm just pretty good. All right. So we're going to do one that – this was kind of your peril last time was the alma maters. So we got – I think I I evened them up a little bit. Last time I went with some veterans who, you know, us as younger guys, like you probably don't remember David West balling it up at Xavier, which is fair. I even sent these to KOB, uh, our office mate out there, and I was like, hey – he got all of them. So if that helps, the pressure's on. He got them KOB's all. KOB's a wizard with he all is, sports trivia. He is. But he also, I also gave the, him the ones from last week, and he, got, he missed Festus Azili. So you're Vanderbilt. not the only one. Yeah. Um, these, okay, you said that you did these randomly, and you did not. These are tough ones. These are not tough, dude. Oh, you know. know the answers. All right, next week I'm going to give d- you some. Please do. Like, I, this is, I mean, I'm, like, I'm with KOB. Where, like, you're gonna spend this is kind of s- like. I, I mean, this is what I do in my spare time. Is like, you ever do the, the Sporkle alma maters quiz? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think I've accounted for like 40,000 of those uh, participations. But all right, so I'll give you the name. You tell me where they went to school. Um, and I, I tried to make these a little easier. I don't want to make it too easy, but these are all guys ex- with a few exceptions who are fairly recent. You know, like I'm trying not to, like I gave you Jared Dudley last time. That was maybe a little unfair, but we'll start with DeAndre Jordan. Texas A&M. That one's really weird. There we go, right? Like, Did he yeah. ever play with, is it AC Law? Did no. those guys play together? No, no, no. Law was well before him. Okay. AC Law, what up? Where are you at? I man? love AC Law. Ugh. Uh, him, him and Salim Stoudemire. Him and Salim Stoudemire really get me going. Uh, they were both on the Hawks at, at different times, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, Law was out of the league pretty early. I'm just, I don't want to talk about it. Luol Deng. Duke. Duke. All right. That one's what not you, bad. What are you talking about complaining about these? You're two well, for two. we're not done yet. Damari Carroll. This guy wasn't even known in the NBA for the first few seasons. He was a fairly like no, he was a known college player, not like a first team All American, but like he was like a like a definite like well known name in the Big Twelve. There's your hint. Oh well, thank you. I was gonna say he seems like an SEC guy to me, but um, in the Big Twelve, then Big Twelve. Well, oh, then Big Twelve. I know for sure that this team's football team no longer plays in the Big 12. I assume well, then it's – well, then thank you for that. So it's either Colorado or it's um, Texas A&M. Is it? So I'll say Texas A&M. Missouri. Oh, shoot. Missouri's Missouri. in SEC now. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, it's all coming back. Yep. Yeah. Avery Bradley, who was uh, a number one overall recruit by some services coming out of high school. This is the one that will keep me up tonight because I should know this one, and I, in all honesty, I'm just I'm just not going to come up with it. So I'll just guess. Another Big Twelve team, Thank current you. Big Twelve team. Thank you. It wasn't Kansas? Wasn't Kansas State? Wasn't the, it? Wasn't Iowa State or Texas or Texas Tech or Texas A and M? Wasn't Nebraska? He played. Uh, he was college Baylor. teammates. Uh, no, uh, Texas. It was Texas. Oh. So he played just one season at Texas, obviously, before uh, heading to the NBA. 12 points per game, three rebounds, two assists. Obviously, more of a defensive guy Don't remember uh, at him that there point. At all. So, yeah, that was 2009, 2010. Aaron Brooks, the veteran of the group here. You know what? If you go back to the McDonald's All American game where LeBron was a part of, Aaron Brooks was there. Yep. He's in the background. 
Um, so really good college player. Obviously very undersized, but a guy who I feel like I should get half a point for knowing that, even though I don't know his college. Um, sure, <laughs> give it to you. North Carolina. Oh, Oregon. University of Oregon. Um, I don't know. That's all I got. I don't really know much. Uh, you know much about him back then, but average eighteen points a game as a senior. Uh, in 2006-2007, so there we go. And you were right. His his uh, debut season, he was a freshman in 03-04, so same high school class as LeBron. So you get a half point there for knowing that. We'll finish out with Jeff Teague. Brother played at Kentucky. His younger brother, we know that. Uh, but Jeff Teague was a hell of a player in the ACC. Shout out to Josh Howard. It doesn't help me, Shout out to Ish Smith. I was gonna shout say shout out to Al Farouk Aminu. I was gonna say Louisville, but that mm-hmm. the, but now would be ACC, but not when team Teague that's, played team there. That's, uh, well, I mean, this team's always been ACC, and as far as I'm aware, um, they're not very good right now. They're they're pretty good back then. Uh, there's t- they have two like very distinguished NBA alumni that if I tell you, you will know right away. Uh, I'm trying to think of other like random guys that they have. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Yes. Yeah, Duncan and Paul. Right. Thank you. That was a good enough hint for me. Yeah, I mean, you didn't do it, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Aaron Brooks. There we go. That that's the final ones. Maybe I should maybe I should have started with those and like kind of let you let you finish out with DeAndre and, and Luol. But you had no way of knowing. All right, and maybe this will be the last time we do the alma maters. Well, I feel like I need to do it to you, and so you can just you know have a taste of your own medicine doing it on the spot. Bring I'm it on. Let me let me tell you that it, it should be. Guys. Let's go. It should obviously be clear. Run that, it back. Um, <laughs> We don't have time. We need to close up shop. Um, yeah, that's true. We definitely are running out of time. Um, so, again, you know, we were sponsored by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. And, again, use that promo code ROTOHOOPS and you deposit on DraftKings. It'll get you that free contest entry today. We'll also be doing that RotoWire football championship. The last qualifier is this week in Week 17. The championship is in Week 17. So this is your last opportunity to get in on that this weekend uh, obviously a lot at stake for for those of us that are still alive in season-long leagues which i am not uh, and i think probably about 99 percent of us probably aren't but uh i am that gives you uh, <laughs> what in the roto league i'm in uh, the vegas league Ooh. and uh one of my home leagues i think i was in six leagues and i made it to the finals in two out of the six so not bad it's not bad at all no yeah. well done uh so Maybe i guess we should yeah, turn this into a football speak- pod yeah, huh? that's it. <laughs> um <laughs> jesus um yeah so maybe i shouldn't be speaking for you and saying that most of us aren't in our finals but yeah go ahead i mean if you're if even if you are playing in your in your season-long super bowl maybe add this in as a little side uh little side action on draftkings.com so uh again this is the last week to qualify and that championship will be in week 17 i don't know what the podcast plan is the rest of the week I think I don't think we're having podcasts on Thursday or Friday. I think me and Josh tomorrow on Wednesday will be the last pod of the week. Sometime next week, uh, we'll get it going in between New Year's, and then it'll probably be a similar situation where the last pod will will be on Wednesday again with me and Josh. Just be on the lookout. Hopefully, you've done a good job of finding us as it is. Um, but I will say probably Wednesday. Enjoy the holidays. Come back. Catch us next week. All right, so we'll be back uh, as a tandem, not until next Tuesday. So, you know, for those of you listening that that aren't going to catch them the rest of the week, happy holidays. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.